Christ's mission is our mission. There's a reason why our call to share Christ and his gospel is called the Great Commission. Not just another commission. It is the greatest task you will ever be assigned. Do you know that the tremendous blessing of helping somebody walk from darkness into light is an opportunity that we will never have again after we die? Never. There's no lost people in heaven. There's no need for evangelism. You have one chance to be a part of the work of Christ in saving someone's soul. And you're living in that chance right now. We're beginning a new series in Gloucester called Ambassadors of the Faith or Ambassadors of the Christian Life. And I'm honored to uh, be with you this morning here in Gloucester and to kind of kick this series off. It is unique to Gloucester. Um, it is not on any other campus. It's uh, the, the sermon series that um, Pastor Nate um, believed that God had called Gloucester to. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to kick off as we look at the gospel at work within us. I just got back from a trip. Um, I was in Poland. I was in Hungary. I was in Czech Republic. And I was in Ukraine. And um, let me tell you something. The church is alive and well. The darker the darkness, the brighter the light is shining all over the world. And it's exciting to see that the gospel is at work in their lives as it is in our lives and all over the world. And it's exciting to see as God's gospel is going out. And what was unique, I'll share some of this a little bit later. In Ukraine, the gospel is spreading like wildfire. And um, because of your faithfulness and your tithes and offerings, the fact that Coastal gives 10 cents of every dollar, and some of you gave extra towards the Ukraine, uh, the churches in Ukraine, the gospel is going out. And they are more hungry and open for the gospel and the scripture than ever before. And uh, it, it's just a, it's just an honor um, to be a part of our church and um, the, the work of the gospel. So let's Let's look at the scripture and get into the good stuff. Second Corinthians chapter four, the notes say verse seven, but we're going to back up to verse six because I got to give some context. All right. For God, this is verse six of second Corinthians chapter four, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse seven, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what 
has been written. I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to the more and more, extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray. Precious Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would pick up your word like a double-edged sword and use it to divide between our soul and spirit and our bone and our marrow, that this word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that the word of God, Lord God, would come as a light of truth, removing all of the lies that we believe and replaced with the truth of your word. You said, sanctify them through your word. Your word is truth. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by you. We come to you now, Father God, in the name of Jesus, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I pray, Lord God, that this truth, Father, would guide us Guide us as a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. Guide us, Father, so that we would not be hearers of the word only, but we would be doers of the word. And Lord, as always, Lord God, I pray, God, that you would help us. You would help us to walk in a way worthy of our calling. Lord God, I thank you for this church, and I pray, Lord God, you would join us, Father, in in furthering the gospel and furthering the work that you have. Thank you for your faithfulness. And as always, Lord God, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. A lot of times when I go into different um, teachings, when I'm talking with different pastors and doing different instructions and different things like that, I pull out a whiteboard and I start with the question, what is the gospel? And this morning, what I want to do is, as a foundation, as a starting point is, I want to talk about, if we're going to talk about the gospel at work in us, we ought to all have a common language when we talk about the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? What does the gospel? The word gospel means good news. But what is the gospel? And if you take the We Are Coastal class, then you have heard this, but I want to go through it quickly because I want to make sure we're all on the same plane and understanding as we launch out into the gospel at work in us. And so the first thing I want to start with is what are the core facts of the gospel? What are the core facts of the gospel? There's three core facts of the gospel. Now, people very off these things. But when, I've, when I'm sitting down and talking with different people, especially in different countries, I always say, well, tell me about the gospel. Or when I'm talking to people that, you know, they say, you know, I've been in church my whole life. And I said, well, tell me about the gospel. 
And they say things like Jesus died on the cross. They say things like, you know, we've got to go to church and we've got to do good things and we've got to do this. And everybody has these different things and they add and subtract different things. And I just want to give you three core facts of the gospel because it it, it just gives us a, a launching pad. And so here they are. If you're taking notes, write this down. What are the core facts of the gospel? Core fact number one, Jesus is God. This is deity. Jesus is deity. He is not like a God. He is God. He is not a twin God. He is God. Okay? Trinitarian theology. Jesus is God. Jesus in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is God. This encompasses virgin birth. This incorporates living a sinless life. This incorporates all of these things. Jesus is God. Secondly, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He just didn't die and that's it. No, he died on the cross for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It was the earliest creed that we know. First century. Third, Jesus bodily rose from the dead. First Corinthians chapter 15, again, he talks about Jesus bodily rising from the dead. Why do I say bodily? Because right now in the seminaries, it's being discussed and debated that Jesus spiritually rose from the dead, but we can't prove that he bodily rose from the dead. And let me share something with you. His bodily resurrection is so important because the Bible says we're going to get new bodies. And Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he was walking, talking, talking eternal life. And that we will have new bodies just as he had his resurrected body, as the apostle Peter talks about there in in 1st and 2nd Peter. We will have new bodies. So Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. These are the core facts of the gospel. Now, next question, what do we do with it? What do we do with the gospel? The first thing that we do is we repent of our sins. We repent of our sins. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We must repent. We recognize that he is God and we are not. He is holy and we are not. And we have to, add, we have to recognize that our sin stands in the way of God and we repent of our sins. We fall down on our face and say, God, forgive me for our sins. This is the gospel. The second thing we do with the gospel is we believe. What do we believe? We believe the core facts of the gospel. Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. Woo, right? That's what we believe. We don't believe on it. We have to believe in it. In fact, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The little word in, in the Greek actually means into him, that we have to actually believe into him. And so that leads us to the third part of what we're to do with the gospel. We're to receive the gospel. We're to receive Christ into our life. In fact, John chapter one, verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. We must receive him. We don't believe on him or about him. We don't look. It's like Krispy Kreme. How many of you guys like Krispy Kreme? I love Krispy Kreme. And and you go in the little hot and the the light is on and you're just like, oh. 
And then you're like, oh, I have to go. And so you pull in and there's the Krispy Kreme donuts. And, and when they get cold, it's easy. Three seconds, microwave. And then they're nice and soft and chewy again. And all of a sudden you get the Krispy Kreme donut and I can tell you about Krispy Kreme and I can look at Krispy Kreme and it's got a lot of sugar and you go into a sugar coma once you eat a dozen. And, and all of these things, that's Krispy Kreme donuts. But Krispy Kreme doesn't make donuts so that I could talk about it. They don't make donuts so that I could believe about it or believe on it. Krispy Kreme makes donuts so I could believe in them. <laughs> they're supposed to come in my life, in my belly, right? The gospel, we don't believe on it, about it. No, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in me. And so to understand as we're getting ready, the apostle Paul now is talking to the Christian church in Corinth and he begins with verse six. And I'm going to, I'm just beginning with verse six. He doesn't begin with verse six, but I'm going to begin with verse six for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness. Well, what's the light? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ in us shining out. That Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then a little bit later in Matthew chapter five, he says, you are the light of the world. Meaning this, that the, that the Christ in us brings light through us. So when he's looking at you, he's saying the light out of darkness is shown in our hearts to give the light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Then he says, but we have this treasure, there's the gospel again, this treasure in jars of clay. What's the treasure? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Christ in us. Now remember, there was another scripture when Jesus was talking about the treasure. Remember this treasure, this field that had this treasure? You sell everything for this treasure? This is the same, I mean, this is the treasure, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Who are the jars of clay? We're the jars of clay. We're the jars of clay. So the treasure and the light are in the jars of clay, right? Now the apostle Paul is looking and he's saying, okay, I, I, I want to tell you how the gospel works in the life of a Christian. You ready? The apostle Paul says, I, the, the surpassing powers in this jars of clay, this treasures in the jars of clay, the light shines through our hearts through these jars of clay. Then he goes into verse eight and he ruins the ride and he goes, but we are afflicted in every way. What? We've got all this great stuff, but we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Wait, wait, Paul, go back to the good stuff. Go back to the treasure and the light. How does the gospel work within us? Well, if the treasure and the light is in the jars of clay, how is that going to get out? How is that going to be seen? How are people going to know that the gospel is within us? Are you ready? When it's broken. When it's broken. Church, people aren't watching us when things are going well in our life. People are watching us when things are going poorly. 
when we're broken? Is what we have in us real? Is the light shining out through our cracks and our brokenness? Is the treasure, I have some money in here. Is the treasure, and the treasure can only be revealed when we have cracks and brokenness. That's why the Apostle Paul says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about the body of the death of Christ. You know what most Christians do, I find? When they're broken, they try to, they try to cover up and hide they tried, to, they tried to protect. What did Adam and Eve do in the garden? What did they do? They, they recognized they were naked and they're like, oh my goodness, we're naked. Or as my five-year-old say when he does the naked dance, naked, I'm naked. It's cute when he's five, not when he's 25, okay? <laughs> but he's running around doing the naked dance. Put some clothes on. It's the naked dance. It's like, why are you doing the naked dance? And I look at my wife and I say, I didn't teach him that. <laughs> It's, it's the sense of this. It's the fact that when they were in the garden and they were naked or they were naked, they recognized there was something wrong. And what did they instantaneously try to put it back together? They tried to cover themselves up. What do we do with our, 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 our brokenness? We try to cover it up, try to hide it. When things get worse, we try to let everybody know it's good. And I don't know, maybe you grew up in a church like this and there were some times that I grew up in a church like this. How you doing, brother? Just great. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. My kidney and spleen are out here, but everything's great. No, sometimes we just don't feel like we can be honest. Sometimes we have to hide up. But when we're hiding up, when we're trying to cover up, what we're doing is we're really just hiding the gospel in our life. The, the light of the gospel, the treasure. It's not revealed in our wholeness. It's revealed in our brokenness and our struggles. And so the apostle Paul is basically saying, listen, the reason you're caring about the death in you is so that the life of Christ may be manifest in our bodies. The more broken and dead we are to ourselves, it's like the song if more of you means less of me, take everything. What did, what did, in John chapter three, what did, what did John the Baptist say? He must increase, but I must decrease. See, the whole value, eternal value that we have, the best parts of us are there on the inside. See, we live in a society that spends millions, if not billions of dollars on making this outside be something so that people will look at that. But that's not where the value is for us Christians. It's in here. Because here's the deal. We are sinful. And, and if you're not, just spend some time with 
with somebody and, and ask them, do you think I'm sinful? And I'm sure they'll tell you. No. And instead of us taking our time and trying to cover it all up and trying to cover up and fix the cracks and the brokenness in our lives, what we should be doing is we should be saying, yep, I'm broken. I'm messed up. But look past the brokenness and see the beauty of the gospel in my life. Look at Christ. Christ, isn't he beautiful? Isn't he incredible? And if he can save me, this broken, messed up piece of clay, jar of clay, then he can use anybody. He can, he can save anybody. See, we think we have to be an ambassador by looking our best and being our best instead of coming clean with really who we are. No, being an ambassador means Christ looks glorious. We represent him who looks glorious, who's in us, through us, so that people go, whoa. But yet, so often the church misses the opportunities because we're so busy sometimes covering up and being fake and not authentic. At Coastal, we're, we're called to develop what? Authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And so, listen, you're messed up? Good. So am I. You mean you sin, Pastor Andrew? Yes. The chief of sinners right here. I've broken all 10 of the 10 commandments. And if I haven't, I've thought about it. But it's okay. You know why? Because I hope you're not looking at me. I hope you're looking at Christ in me. And if he can save me, he can save you. And if he can use me, he can definitely use you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The gospel is clearly displayed us. Write this down. First truth of how the gospel works in Christians. The gospel is clearly displayed within us when we are broken. And, and let me share something with you. You might be broken today, but that doesn't mean you're humble. I know a lot of people that are broken, but not humble. How do you know the difference? Okay, how do you know the difference? Broken people that are humble don't try to cover it up. They come clean real fast. Yep, I'm a mess. You're a mess and we need the gospel. Isn't it great? And so that's the thing about coming into community. It's messy and it's hard and it's difficult because you have to be clean. You have to come clean about your messed upness and your brokenness. People that are arrogant and broken, they spend all their time trying to find the pieces and the cracks and cover them up so that they look glorious and not the gospel. That is a tragedy. That's a tragedy because here's the deal. You're not hiding it from anybody. Everyone sees it. Everybody knows it. I love it when people come to my office for counseling and they go, I want to talk. Uh, okay. Well, tell me about what's going on. Well, I'm not perfect, Pastor Andrew. And my response is, oh my goodness, I thought you were. I thought you were perfect. Shattered. Shattered dreams. 
No, the reality is this. It's the fact that we're not perfect so that the gospel can shine through us, makes God look more glorious and the cross look more glorious. And so why are you trying to hide who God already sees who you are and loves you anyway? And he blesses in spite of us, not because of us. And that's why the apostle Paul's saying all of these things happen and, and, and the manifestation is through our mortal flesh so that death is work within us, but life in you. He transitions here in this text. And this is number two, the gospel brings unity of faith through salvation. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we believed also, we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also from the dead, bring us with you into his presence. Here's the deal. This body's not forever because Jesus rose from the dead. Therefore, I'm going to get a new body. That's why the gospel is so important and the glorious resurrection. You're going to get a new body. <laughs> My grandma always used to say this. She always used to say, growing old is not for the weak. Have you ever looked in the mirror and gone, is that really me? I used to look so good. Things start to get old, start to happen. And I think some of us have just forgotten what we looked like. I remember, the, um, I remember reading the story about Winston Churchill. He's one of, he's kind of a hero of mine and some of the things that he said and did, not all of it, but the uh, England commissioned a painter who painted a life-size portrait of him. It took him almost a year. And it was an exact duplicate of who he was. Studied Winston Churchill to the T. This was towards the end of his life. When he saw the painting when, on the unveiling, he absolutely hated it and wanted to be destroyed because he said, that's not me. His wife said, oh, it's a likeness. It's a perfect likeness of you. See, Winston Churchill had forgotten who he looked like. Forgotten who he was. Listen, we've got to remember who we are. Psalm 103 says this. It says, for he knows our frame. He remembers that he created us from the dust. We're messed up and we're broken and we're sinful. And we need Christ every moment of every day and the gospel of Jesus Christ every day at work in us. That's why the apostle says, therefore we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So even though outwardly we're getting older, even though outwardly we're falling apart, even though outwardly we're taking pills for these things, the beauty of the gospel is that he's working and making something new in us. And then what's in us when we die and when Christ returns and we get our new bodies will be manifest outwardly and then we'll be built for eternity to worship him forever. This is the hope of the gospel. So outwardly we waste away and inwardly we're being renewed day by day. But the second thing is the gospel brings unity of faith. Let me, let me get to that. Since we have the same spirit of faith, he's talking about this idea that we, the gospel brings a unity of faith. I was overseas, lots of different places. I was in Czech Republic and, and Ukraine, and they're all saved by the same gospel. And we're all unified together. And in fact, we sat down and we discussed the gospel 
It's one of the things that I first begin with and I always talk. So tell me about your gospel. Tell me about the gospel. We talk about the different creeds and we talk about different things, but the idea is there's a unity of faith that the gospel brings. And so to fight or to work against it, the apostle Paul's saying, no, no, no. It's because Jesus is risen from the dead, this grace extends to more and more people. The gospel should be spreading out. If the gospel's not spreading out, you're not believing the same gospel. If the gospel's not working in other people's lives, if the gospel's not overflowing and spilling out so people see the light and the treasure within us, then the question is, what's the gospel that's within us? Because the grace should be spreading to more and more people, bringing unity of faith. Write this down. Thanksgiving is the key to getting into God's presence. Because he talks about raise us up, Jesus, and bring us into his presence. And you're like, okay, well, I don't understand that. And for it is all your sake. So as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. What does that mean? To the glory of God. Psalm 100 verse 4, it says, enter his gates with what? That's the key to enter his gates. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So to be in the presence of God, the first thing you have to do as a broken pot with the treasure of God in you, with Christ in us, and the light of Christ in us is to enter his gates with thanksgiving, meaning that we are thankful when we're afflicted. We're thankful when we're perplexed. We're thankful when we're persecuted. We're thankful when we're struck down. Because to be in his presence is to be thankful. That's the key. And he said this, as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Increase thanksgiving, meaning the more and more people that are coming to Christ are more and more thankful for the salvation that God has given them and the gospel that Jesus has given them. Are you thankful in your brokenness? Are you thankful for the things that you hate about yourself? When you look in the mirror, are you thankful for the things in your life that you look and see as an absolute ad object failure? But that's a way and means that Christ can shine through. See, at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says this, I went to the Lord three times to remove this thorn in the flesh. And what did, what did the Lord say to him? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. See, I don't really, I, listen, I love you all, but I don't really care what you think about me. <laughs> I really don't, because I know I'm sinful and I know I'm a jerk and I know that I have a lot of issues. All I care is what does God think about me? What does Christ say about me? and that he's in work. Now, I don't want, I'm not trying to be mean to you and I love you, but I'm not gonna try to please you because remember there's a group of religious people in Jesus' day that tried to please people. They were called Pharisees. I don't wanna be one of those. They love the praises of man more than the praises of God. No, I, I, I want us to be unified together 
in thanksgiving, praising God for our sin so that Christ could be made more manifest in our life and that Christ has forgiven us of that sin and that now we can walk in new life. It's what baptism is all about. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. There's new life in Christ. My old life is dead. That's why I don't lose heart. Look at this little statement. You can't have an A without a B, so cross out the A. I know it's in the notes. It's driving me crazy, my OCDness. We are saved all over the world through the same gospel, the same grace, the same faith. Okay, let me give this to you really fast. I want to show you, I'm going to show, introduce you to a guy named Alexander. He is not, a, he barely is a brand new Christian. There he is, Alex, okay? Alex was a Ukrainian war. He got hurt in the first Ukraine war with Crimea. He's opened up a boxing ring over in the, uh, on the west side of Ukraine. And basically he, he had, and he started training boys, okay? When the war broke out, he said, I got to do something. What can I do? So he took his boxing ring. He moved his boys outside and took his boxing ring and he turned it into a place not for refugees. Refugees means out of the country. This is a new thing. The Indigenous Displaced People, IDP. And he opened it and he requested 200 IDPs. He ended up getting 2,000. Okay, because so many people have come over and he said, I'm just a boxer. And he, he just found Christ. He's a new believer. And he says, I just want to do something. And he's talking to some pastors and he says, and they said, well, just open up your place and then we'll talk about the gospel. And he says, well, I don't have anything to do. And he says, well, I'm just going to, uh, and they said, just open your place. So he opens up his place and this is what happens. And so we're there and we bring all of this food there because the church is helping him. And so the 10 cents of every dollar that you're giving coastal purchased all this food and he takes it and there's the people and they're sleeping in the ring. You can see the boxing ring there. And, and that's one of the rings. And then there's another ring there and there's other people sleeping there. And all of these people are there and he, he's feeding them and he's caring for them. And he's allowing pastors to come in and to share the gospel and people are getting saved. And he says, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I said, that's okay. Neither do I most of the time. The gospel is at work in this broken man. And he's taking his broken pot and he's doing the best that he can. And he's saying, here you go, Lord, have at it. This is a van of a group of family that came from Maripol and there's bullet holes riddled through it. As they were driving out, the Russians were coming in, shooting up vehicles and cars and killing people. And the family came and they fell down at his feet and they said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for opening up this place. This is a place of refuge. It's the first time that we've actually slept in the building and not a car since we left our city. And he goes, I don't even know what I'm doing. Look, when the gospel is at work in your life and you're using, you, you, you look at the word of God and you just start to do what the word of God says. And the same gospel that works here is working there. The same grace that God has given us has given to them. The same faith that we have here is there. Ephesians chapter four, verse five, one faith, one God, one father, one baptism. We're all saved. And because that gospel, it makes us brothers and sisters with Alex. 
Number three, and we're done. It's going to go quick. The gospel focuses us on the eternal so we can endure in this life, all suffering and hardship, so we can live courageously. It's better to live courageously than as a coward. The gospel can be abrasive sometimes because basically we're calling people out in their sin. And I don't want to be a church that doesn't live courageously, to love courageously. I have a friend, he, he, he just went to be with the Lord. He was, he, was a, uh, he was a homosexual up until the 80s. He lived a gay lifestyle up until in the 80s, and then he got saved. And he said, when, he said, the last place I ever wanted to go was the church because no one was brave enough to talk to me or care for me. The last place I ever wanted to go was to the church. And he says, and the way that he got saved, he went to a gay church and he read the Bible and he realized that the gay church that he was at and the Bible were two totally different things. And he liked the God of the Bible and he didn't like the church he was going to. And so he went to a church. He says it took him, it took him months to find a church that would embrace him and love him. Yes, we have to be courageously. It means we've got to step out of our comfort zone. Let's not miss our opportunity, church. To love courageously, to share the gospel courageously, to communicate, yes, you're broken, you're messed up, you're sinful. Yes, so am I. Christ saved me, he could save you. I'm not saying we're downplaying their sin. I'm not downplaying, we're downplaying anybody's sin. No, we all have sinned. And I look at this and I go, whoa. And that's why, that's why he says we don't lose heart. So this is a moment, this is light momentary affliction because we're focused not on the things that are seen, money. Alex closed down his whole gym, lost all his money because he wasn't focused on the things that were seen. He was focused on the things that were unseen. The souls of men, the souls of women, the souls of children, that they would come to know the gospel. And this is just a light momentary affliction. The worship team's going to come up. Here it is. My grandma said this to me. It's only the first hundred years of life they're hard. <laughs> you know why? Because after that, we get to be with Christ forever. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We only have to live in this broken state for about a hundred years. Remember in James, life is a vapor. Charles Spurgeon said only one life and it soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. The value is not in the clay pot. It's not, it's not the clay pot. The value is what's in the clay pot. That's the treasure. That's the light. Listen, if you're broken today, you belong here. You're messed up today. You belong here. Because that's why we sing praise and worship songs to him. That's why we come in small group community together because we want God to be glorified in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our messed upness. If you've never received the gospel, receive the gospel let the treasure go in there. That what I don't understand is people that are trying to cover up themselves and they don't have it. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation.
Let's pray. Precious Father, I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for the truth of the word of God. And I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that we would be the ambassadors as your gospel works within us. Here in Gloucester and in Virginia and in this world, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen.